Hello, how are you? Welcome to another podcast with uh, your host, Mark Bennett. I am that guy, and I'm doing some shows here in Toronto. Uh, right now, the week's going pretty well. We've done Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday now. Thursday, crowd was small. Like, it's the smallest they've had in years, because it got cold in Toronto, as if nobody's ever experienced cold before, so they canceled in droves all these fucking people. Anyway... You missed a good one, everybody, who canceled. It was a good show. Sometimes those small crowds are really good, you know? They have some energy, and it's, uh... Sometimes, like, there's nothing worse than a full crowd that doesn't have a lot of energy. And, um... Sometimes you get that small crowd, and... You know, people, comics will say, you know, or people who don't know the difference, they'll say, uh, hey, it's never the crowd. You can never blame the crowd. It's always you. It's not. That's not true. It's just not true. Just think about it rationally speaking. You can go into a hot room where everybody's jazzed up and they're laughing like crazy. Then then that's an easy show. And then a show where everybody is bummed out and it's like you're pulling teeth just to get a laugh out of them. I mean, that's a hard show. Nobody, I'm not saying that, you know, you you shouldn't try really hard. It's just that sometimes audiences are shitty and sometimes they're great. And uh, you can only do what you do. You can do the best you can do, but, you know, don't even fucking worry about the uh, people who say, oh, you can't turn around every crowd. Well, you know what? Maybe you can. Maybe. What the fuck do I know? Maybe you can turn around every crowd. Maybe, you know, if Louis C.K. is in town every time, even if it's a crowd that I would think is really shitty, maybe he'd just jack them up. I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I think he'd say the same thing. Anyway, getting off track here, what I wanted to talk about a little bit was the amateur night. We had um, Wednesday, you know, they have headliner close the Wednesday night, you know, so people see something big at the end, you know, well, big, you know, professional, something at least professional at the end, just in case the amateur night went poorly. And this one, you know, eh, there was there were some ups and downs. There was uh, sometimes the amateur night, the whole thing goes great, but the crowd was a little tight. As I explained just a second ago, sometimes crowds can be tight. And uh, a lot of times the Wednesdays are very supportive for the kids, you know. Like the crowds are are, are really willing to give you a lot uh, because they know these guys are new. So this crowd wasn't really on board with that. They were like, hey, go fuck yourselves. Make us laugh or, uh, you know, we're just going to sit here quietly. So they didn't, they, there wasn't a lot of uh, give in the crowd. So some of the kids had a little bit of trouble. And I tell you what, it kills me. Like, my set was good, but it wasn't great. And I really feel like it was because by the end of the show, I was just tired. I get like that at the end of the amateur nights. I got to find I gotta find a way to get through them. You know, it's like an open mic, the same thing. Like, one person, like, there's just so many comics on. Even though it's still only a 90-minute show, it feels like it was four hours. Like, the servers kept coming up to me going, is this show going long or something? Why is this? And I was like, oh, we're just, it's just too many people. It's, you, you get tired, you know? And the kids will get up and, and, and talk about the stuff that they talk about. I don't get some of it. I don't want to sound like an old, you know, curmudgeon, but I don't understand some of the stuff they do. You know, they're trying to be edgy. I get, I get that. They're trying to, they're trying to, so they go dark a lot of times, you know? I was at an open mic and some kid was talking about, uh, I don't know, like, at, it aids in his bleedy dick or some shit. Like, uh, honest to God, some to, that was like a punchline. My bleedy dick full of AIDS, something like that. And uh, it's just like, okay, 
right? You know, shock value for the sake of shock value sometimes. I, I don't know. I don't know. Who am I to criticize? Probably there's a new wave of bleedy dick comedy coming down the pipeline, and I'm not, you know, I'm not privy to it. I'm like an old, uh, I'm like an old senator has lost touch with the, you know, the Internet's got tubes and stuff. But I digress. What I'm saying is the amateur night is trouble for me. I, um, I'm still very sensitive to, to comedy. Like, so, so if I see someone struggling, I, I feel bad. I feel bad for them. I feel bad for the audience. I, I get embarrassed for them. I get embarrassed for myself. I start, and you start thinking about yourself. And, you know, I, I find a lot of people are like that. There, there was a, uh, I had a friend who she didn't want to go to any of my shows when she found out I was a comedian. And I was like, well, why not? And then she said, well, because I just, I don't want, uh, you know, to feel bad for you. And which was, like, I mean, I didn't take it as an insult. Like, I, I knew what she meant. She meant that if a, if it wasn't going great, you get that pain in your stomach of, oh, my God, oh, someone's bombing on stage. And it's just, uh, and it makes you, get, you know, you want to barf. And um, that feeling, I still get that. And so now I want to barf for most of the amateur night on Wednesday. And um, then I got to get up. And I get up and I swear to God, there was this Chinese woman. She was asleep on what I think is her mom, you know, because who, who else would you sleep on, 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 on someone's lap? Would you sleep on someone's lap if they weren't, weren't your mom? Because that's what she was doing. I mean, I don't know, maybe it was an older Chinese lady and they're in some kind of, uh, you know, uh, what do you call them? Uh, summer spring romance or knows that spring fall spring fall romance right with the old chinese lady and the young chinese lady i don't know could be a lovely lesbian couple i apologize to you chinese ladies if you're listening uh but i assumed that it was a mother and a daughter and they were you know the daughter was asleep and it's i can't blame her it was a long night because it's really tiring it's really fucking tiring when you're trying to humor someone. Like if, you know, if you get like a Christmas gift that you don't want and uh, you got to, you know, you just do that face of, oh, my God. Yeah, that's so good. You know. It really makes you tired that humoring people. You know, I was just wondering, I paused there because I was just wondering if I had said that to you before in the podcast. See, sometimes... The growing pains of trying to do a podcast. I had to re-record this one because I uh, fucked up the audio. I left it on uh, way too low. And uh, so now I had to record again. And uh, so now I'm wondering, did I say that two podcasts ago? Or did I just say that in the one that I that I fucked up? Uh, the one I fucked up. I'm doing this one in the car now. You know, I went down to, the, to my apartment building's uh, basement to get into my car so that I could talk freely because... I did the last one, which you will never hear, in uh, my my closet, my walk-in closet in, <laughs> in uh, the apartment there, because the baby was trying to sleep, and I wanted to go somewhere where I could talk a little bit, but I, um, you know, I was sitting on a pile of laundry. I literally dragged in dirty laundry into the closet to sit in there, and I just, it felt wrong, you know, sitting there on your wife's underwear, felt wrong. And that's something I was thinking about when I was in there. She's like sitting on my wife's underwear. There's nothing sexy about that. Do you know what I mean? Like there's something about when you become married that and you say my wife, you know, if you were to say, you know, like say you're in college or university, as they say here in Canada, and you're sitting on, you know, you're I'm, I'm in a dorm room sitting on my girlfriend's underwear. You know, that sounds sexy, right? Sort of. 
You, you know what I'm saying, right? I mean, not this specific example is not a great one about sitting on somebody's underwear as a very sexual thing. But the point is, if it's some some girl that you just met, or you know, it's it's a girlfriend, or a you know, a, someone you hooked up with, the booty call, as the kids are saying, right? And uh, but when it's your wife, it's just I don't know. It's kind of you just can't say that type of shit. It's like, oh, man, last night, oh, me and the wife, we were, like, fucking like animals. You know, that's gross. Jesus. Come on, buddy. You know, clean it up. That's your wife. Have some respect. No, don't be gross. Nobody wants to hear about that. But then, like, your buddy, you know, I got a lot of single friends because, you know, my friends are comedians. So they're all single. And um, they... uh, yeah, they're telling a story about, you know, having sex with some girl. Everybody's like, ooh, let me hear this. And you can't go chiming in with, so my wife of a few years here, so here's what we did. Gross, you know? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe people want to hear my wife's sex stories. Well, you're not gonna, you bunch of pervs out there who want to hear that shit. Anyway, the thing is, I just, I, I, I struggle with, this thing, this the open mic stuff. I um I like the comedy clubs when it's the pro comics and it's uh, uh a big full crowd. But I mean, you can't be doing that. You can't be cherry picking like that. You know, like it's I've got a new lease on life. You see, like I I have the baby, and I suppose it was the baby that did it. You know, where you where you really get a kick in the pants. Like I've been doing comedy for a lot of years, like fourteen years or something now. And you know, I've always done pretty well. Like I haven't I haven't really um struggled to become a professional comedian and haven't really struggled to get shows and like i i've had uh you know a fairly easy time of getting to where i am now the problem is is i've had a hell of a time trying to get better than where i am which is you know because this was where i am is pretty good for like a 25 year old comedian and because that's I sort of hit this level when I was about 25, but now I'm 38 and you just you need you need more if you want this to be, uh, I don't know, a career that where you don't hate yourself. Jesus. Right. Like I sometimes the shit you do is so pathetic. Um, but, you know, I'm doing all right. I, I just but I want it to to um, to get to that next level. So I've. I've kind of rebooted you know as this podcast and you having the baby and then it's like you know clean up your life don't don't have your son be embarrassed for you when he's you know 10 years old and they're asking what does your dad do and he's like oh he's unemployed because he'd rather say that than um what you really do you know i i just i just want i want to do a bit better so i revamped the website you know i'm I'm taking i'm taking new pictures and uh, like the headshots and stuff i'm not doing the acting thing anymore because fuck that shit jesus the act i just don't want to do that you know with the that goddamn going into the auditions and just it's all it's just commercial work because up here in canada no one's filming anything and if they are filming stuff they're using actors down in the u.s and so i'm just not going in for a Wonder Bread commercial for fuck's sake. I literally, I went in for a Wonder Bread commercial about uh, eight years ago. And I just, I went in and they, they said, can you hold up your hands? Okay, turn your hands around. Okay, thanks, bye. And I was like, all right, we're fucking done here. That is enough of this. Jesus. You know, now I know how like women feel. You know, they are being objectified. And I was like, oh, you're going to judge me on my hands and then not give me the part? Go fuck yourselves. How about that? My hands are fine. 
you know? If my wife heard this right now, she'd be like, they're not fine. My wife complains. She doesn't like my hands. I think they're fine. It's just they kind of go up into little points, she says. Whatever. You married me. So the point is, um, I have done the revamp. Got a new lease on life. And so that means I have to start going out more and to uh, back into the comedy club scene, back into the open mic scene like I did when I was a bit younger. And um, I realized on Wednesday, one of the trip ups I've had for many years is that feeling, that punch in the guts feeling of, oh, I don't want to be here. I, I, I feel bad for the crowd. I feel bad for the guy. I feel bad for me who's about to go on. I just, ugh. You gotta, I just got to focus on the material. You just got to focus on, okay, these are the jokes you want to get out, and here you go. And I'll tell you what, like, I don't know how a lot of comedians work. Um, I can only speak from personal experience. But I, if I don't know exactly what I'm going to say, I really uh, struggle. Um, I struggle with, because I'm, I'm sort of only half there, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I just, Move the microwave, the microwave, the microphone away, so I could belch. Jesus Christ, sound like I'm drunk here. And um, anyway, I'm down in uh, at the open mic club, and if I know exactly what I'm going to say, at least I can get it out, you know. But but when you're just when you don't know what you're going to say, at least for me, I I kind of feel like I'm I'm groping around for it, you know. And then I'm sort of half there, and you get that glazed look in your eyes that the audience and they can tell that you're not all there and they think maybe you're a little uncomfortable and then blah you gotta i don't know that's the one thing i'll give to the kids of today like the new generation of the comics they're so fucking confident holy shit are they confident and um that's great good for you guys i don't know how you're doing it you know because i was a young comic and i just i didn't have that i don't know what they're doing but like that amateur night and shit they'll get down and i'm trying to be supportive you know like i i tell everybody good set you know and uh i'm um I'm I'm trying to hang in there with them when they're up there. Um, but it's like they don't know that they do bad, you know? Like, they, they seem to... Uh, and uh, you could think, oh, maybe, maybe, Mark, they're just putting on a brave face. You know, maybe they're just coming down and just, you know, they're holding it in, but they know. But no, they, they compliment themselves, and they, they brag, and they, they're like, they talk about how they killed, and it's very, it's like, do you not perceive the world correctly because that you didn't you didn't do any of those things so so my my assumption is if you're just putting on a brave face like i used to do back in the day you wouldn't go on and on and overcompensate by you know talking about how great you are and then not even watch the rest of the show and then just fuck off to some other open mic where you're gonna also think you're great when you bomb well i'll say this about the guys on wednesday night they all stuck around and watched the show which was very cool like i I, it, it's not like out of respect for me. I just really, that's what I would have done. You know, I would have also, I would have watched the headliners. Like I just was up in front of this crowd. Here's how I did. Let's watch what he does and how it goes and how he handles it. You know, and that's, uh, that's the, the type of thing that I would also do. So I got to go out. I'm going to go out more and, uh, I got to suck it up. I've got to, I got to rehearse my stuff a little bit better so that I can really focus on some jokes I'd like to get out. Then just go do the jokes, you know, you know, uh, rain or shine, fucking do those jokes, see what happens. And then, you know, come back. I'll, I'll podcast about it. I'll tell you guys how things are going. I really like this fucking podcasting stuff. Like, I, you know, I was uh, just watching the Bill Bird. He's got like, um, 
It's got like a podcast network now. Like that's just freaking great. Like it by comedians for comedians. It's just this weird democratization. Democratization? Yeah, there you go. Democratization of um, opinions now. Like I mean, it's there's some growing pains in the world, you know, with fake news and all that shit happening and people reporting false stories and all that. But like I find that at least in the comedy world, this type of stuff is great. Like I've. I've been I've been all right, you know, as a comedian. You might even argue pretty good for for a while, and nobody has a fucking clue who I am. And uh, and now the tools are available you know, to to kind of go out there a little bit, you know, and and just do your own thing. Like I can put up YouTube videos, which I do, and I can put up you know um, podcasts, and people can people can get to me now. Whereas before, you used to have to rely on, oh, did you get a TV special? Well, then fuck it. It's over. Now it's, uh, I like it. It's pretty good, you know, and I encourage you, if you feel like doing a podcast or something like that, go do one, you know, and and uh, one of the things that was holding me back for a while, I was like, well, everybody's got a podcast now, so who gives a shit? But it's like, that's like saying everybody's got a website, you know, where everyone's got a cell phone. Yeah, so what? You know, well, the cell phone's a bad example, but uh, everybody's got a website. Yeah, it's a, it's a marketing tool. It's a promotion tool, you know, it's a... Uh, it's it's a it's a way to get content to people. What's wrong with that? It doesn't matter that there are other podcasts out there and that oh the market's saturated. Eh. So if people so what if people don't want to listen to my podcast? Eh, so what? See you later. Uh, you can listen to it if you'd like, which would be great. You know, I do like that. I do like it. Anyways, what I really want to talk about is uh. Chasing your dreams. Chasing your dreams. I wrote a little list today. That's why I just paused and took down. Looked down at the old uh, list. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be a little more organized. I just rambled in the first few podcasts. I just wanted to make sure I get to some of the topics I felt like talking about. And the chasing your dreams is one I wanted to talk about since the beginning. It's just... I don't know about it. You know, I wonder when people are chasing your dreams, are they only talking about fame? It feels that way, you know? Just go pursue your dreams. You know, be an actor. Get get your stupid face on TV. Get your stupid mug up there on a billboard. Everyone can see you. Me, 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 says the stand-up comic who's blaring into a microphone looking for attention. I know. I know, but I, that's what I'm saying. I'm one of those people. Was I bamboozled, you know, as a youth, as a young man? Was I bamboozled into going, hey, you know what's important if if you're famous? You know, was I like Paris Hilton just going, I just need to be famous no matter what? I don't think so. I For whatever reason, I, I just liked the uh, emotion behind comedy. I liked the idea of people laughing at what you said. I mean, it made me feel good. It made them feel good. It felt important. You know, and then the societal critique came in where, you know, I watched a lot of comedians over the years and I always liked their viewpoints. You know, they're, they they sort of seem to be saying the types of things I was thinking and it was this nice confirmation of, uh, like, uh, who was it? Um, it was uh, Richard Dawkins, I think, that uh, famous atheist guy. He said... Uh, and I apologize if I've said this before, um, but he said that 
sometimes preaching to the choir is all unique, because that was a criticism of him. They're saying, you're only talking to other atheists, you know. No, you're not swaying anyone's opinion. You're just preaching to the choir. And he's like, well, that that's really important, because there's a lot of people who have, say, these opinions, and they stay silent because they think they're not allowed to have them, or that maybe they're the only ones that have them. And then people come out and say things like, hey, I don't believe in God either. And you go, oh, that's what I thought, you know? So, like, that's, for me, that was a lot of comedy. You know, you'll hear... You know, John Stewart and, and uh, you know, back in the day when he was a young man and he's doing his political stuff. And you're like, yeah, I actually, yeah, I think those things, too, you know, or even the, the minutiae stuff, the Jerry Seinfeld. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's what I think about answering machines, Jerry. Yeah, way to go. So I always liked that notion of it. It always felt like it was more than just a few laughs here and there, you know. But I don't know. Now that I'm getting older, you know, and I got a kid, you just... Maybe it's all foolishness, you know, it's, um, if your dreams involve, you know, doing something good, you know, you're saving the whales, you know, saving the oceans, you know, you're, you're, you're keeping puppies away from bad people with hammers, you know, something, something important, I get it, you, um, you should chase those dreams, but if you're just trying to get famous, I would like to, uh, caution you and just say, what, why is that now? Why in the fuck are you trying to do that? Do you think it makes a goddamn bit of difference? Like, the amount of famous people who are just shooting themselves in the face, literally, just killing themselves. I mean, it's, you know, be careful. It's, what I'm saying is 14 years into the entertainment business, it's just, it's not great. It's not bad. I still, I still enjoy it, but it's, it's a work it's a grind and you know and uh if if you don't have some real good reasons behind it then i think you're gonna you're gonna really falter i think some maybe that was some of my problem i didn't have good enough reasons behind what i was trying to do you know that's uh i used to listen to tony robbins back when i was a young 22 or 23 and he used to say that all the time you gotta find the why the how you know, the how will figure itself out, but you've got to find the why. And I was like, he's, you know, he's right. He bases a lot of his stuff in psychology. So he's just, he's basically just combing through really great psychologists over the years and, and like Maslow and, uh, and, and, uh, Jung and, uh, who's the guy with the classical conditioning, uh, Pavlov, you know, and he's just applying all that research to his own and saying, I'm Tony Robbins. And you should do this. But, like, good for him. Go ahead and do that shit. You know where he lost me? Tony Robbins lost me at uh, when he became religious. You know, I guess he was always religious, but he didn't really let that out in his personal power or whatever it is. But then as he got a bit older and he just started saying, you got to give it up to God. You know, you just, God, you got to do it. You got to be bigger than yourself and do it for God. And then this that, that loses me because, you know, believe whatever the fuck you want. It's just that... If your reason behind confidence is that you love Jesus, it's just that doesn't work for me. That's not a tangible reason I can get behind. You know, well, I just just love Jesus, just God, and then you'll make billions because God wants you to. It's like ah, I don't fucking I don't. Th- if there's a God, don't think He gives a shit about you making billions. I gotta tell you. So I, uh, what the fuck was I talking about? This list thing isn't working out at all because I forget what I'm talking about. Then I look down at the list and it's it's nothing like I'm talking. I mean, it's just completely off the rails at this point. I should just go back to yammering and um, and and leave it as is. 
So, uh, hey, yeah, chasing your dreams, right? I was So my brother, he's, he's an accountant. He's got a pool. He's got a couple of kids. You know, he seems to be living a pretty nice life. You know, my wife is a lawyer. She likes her job. She goes to work at nine. She comes home at five because she works, you know, for like the government. So she doesn't, she's not one of those like uh, crazy Wall Street lawyers where she's doing, you know, uh, a million hours of work. Right now, there's a car coming in my parking lot watching me yell into a microphone. It's very embarrassing. Uh, that's it. There he goes. Don't look at me, you fucker. Anyway, so you got to you gotta go ahead and chase your dreams. But you, you better have some decent reasons. And, you know, I've been for a while, I started to be like, well, maybe I'll be like Bill Gates, right? You know, Bill Gates, is a, he, he just made computers in his garage, right? And he was like, oh, Windows, here's some Windows. And uh, it's a poor explanation of what he did. But anyway, he became very rich, the richest man in the world. And now his plan is to give away his entire fortune before he dies. And that's fucking cool. And uh, But I used to lie to myself and say, you know, just, yeah, you're trying to get famous and you're trying to make money so that you can be a good person later in life. And it's like, really? Why don't you just be a good person now? Why don't you go to a soup kitchen, ladle out some shit, you fucking selfish prick? But I'm not going to do that. I still kind of in the back of my head I'm thinking, yeah, I'll just I'll be good and be charitable. But it's just that's kind of an excuse. That's kind of like a patting yourself on the back to say, you know, no, you can go pursue your selfish son of a bitch hobbies and uh, then later you'll be a nice person. No. But I don't know. Maybe maybe you will be, you know. All I know is I don't know what else to do. You know, it's it's not that it's, you know, a lot of comedians say, I don't have any other skill set. Well, yeah, but you never tried another skill set. Like, the, And the reason you don't have another skill set is because you don't give a shit about the other things. And uh, that's it. I just don't care. You know, my mother used to always say, you know, you could be, be a doctor. You can be a lawyer. And I would say, no, I can't. I can't be those things because I don't care about them. And if I don't care about them, I'm not going to study for the nine billion hours I need to study to pass to MCATs or whatever fucking tests that they do. So, you know. But now there's the YouTube. There's the YouTube now. You can just um, put content out there. And uh, I don't know. Maybe, again, I sound like an old fucking crazy man. But um, it seems like the YouTube channels, as much as I love what they're doing, they don't seem to be um, doing anything in particular. They, uh, the, the vlogging, you know, everyone's into the vlogging, the daily video logs. And uh, most of them are just god-awful. There was this guy, Casey Neistat, who, um, he was a proper filmmaker, though. You know, he he did uh, a, a show for HBO called the Neistat Brothers. You know, he's, uh, so when he did a vlog, it was really high quality. And, uh, and it always had a good story, even no matter how short the vlogs were, and really great production value. And, and plus, where he's well-to-do in New York City, like, he's just... He's going to all these fancy events every day, and he's going to award shows, and models are showing up on the on this thing, and he's showing people how to shoot movies, and like it was a great thing. So I, when I started watching that, I started going, "Hey, well, I'm going to watch some other vlogs," and then I also started thinking, "I'll do a daily vlog. I'm going to," but that's, you know, that's a little much. I think I don't need to. Uh, show people the minutia of my daily life and that because that's what the kids are doing like they they all want to be like this guy Casey Neistat so they but they can't because they're they don't have that fun exciting life but 
I admire the work ethic. You know, it'll lead to good things. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, I, 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 what I do like about the fact that it isn't produced and there isn't uh, any money behind it or like people really get to know individuals now. I think I think it's almost what has happened. The reason podcasts are so popular and these YouTube videos and these daily vloggers and all that is because uh, at the heart of it, everybody wants connection. Like that's what stories stories are in general is connection. You know, like um, movies that you want to connect with the audience, you want to get your message across. You know, uh, TV shows. My my favorite TV show when I was a kid was Friends, and it was very aptly titled Friends because they wanted you to think of those people as their friends. And Seinfeld was also, uh, you know, right up there for me with Friends. And that group of people that came into your living room every week that was like a new group of friends, and you really connected with them. And uh, and I think that what's happened now is uh, people are connecting much more in a much more personal manner. They they listen to podcasts and they they watch the YouTube videos because they really get to know those people. Like I here I am ranting about you know my uh, crazy thoughts. You know, what's really going on behind the scenes. Some stuff that I don't even say to my wife, you know, because it's kind of weird to uh, say it to another person. But yet here I am saying it to a pile of listeners. But it's it's because I, I just I'm by myself and I'm just talking into a microphone. So I'm letting it all out. And uh, then people really get a sense of who you are and where you're coming from. And I think that that's uh, that's very um it's very good. I know that's why I like it, you know? And I'll uh, switch topics, switch gears here, and uh, talk about... Um, nah, you know what? It's the same fucking thing. It's the same thing. I wonder why I want, you know, um, a little more out of my career. And I've always, I've always loved greatness. And not just for the sake of greatness. It's just, it's what it entails. It's the work that was put in, the consistency that was put in. Because that's the thing, man. You've got to be, you got to be consistent. You know, like uh, I've all, I love uh, Gretzky and like Derek Jeter and uh, this Steph Curry now. Like, But it's just, they, they do it every fucking night. Like there's just, I will say this though about the Steph Curry. In Golden State Warriors, they only play him like three quarters because they always blow out the other team, so he just sits the third quarter. But then in tight games, you know, all the good players, they play all four quarters, and uh, Golden State have a very bad overtime record. I think they're 0-4 in overtime right now, uh, even though they've only lost a few games this year. Every one they've gone to overtime, they've lost. And it's my theory, it's because the players aren't used to playing long stretches in a game. You know, you know what, Steve Kerr, let the fucking players play. Jesus Christ, they're professional athletes. They can play more than three quarters in a game. Jesus. He's just, he's just, oh, they need more rest. They need more rest. No, they don't need more rest. They need, they need to, they actually need to be on the court a little more. Anyway, that's just my opinion. But it's the consistency that I love about uh, greatness, you know? One of the reasons I like doing this uh, podcast is like I like something that I can consistently throw out there. That's the key to everything. It's just I have a friend, uh, Deborah DiGiovanni. I may have mentioned her. She's a well-to-do comedian in Canada, and she's making really good inroads in the States down there. And, you know, she's uh, had her own specials and she's doing well. Some of you may know her. And uh, she's doing 
what people don't normally do in L.A. when they go down from Canada. She's making a real go of it. She's she's getting on the good shows. She's and the reason is because for about, you know, four years now, she's just go. She goes out every night. She doesn't take a break. She just goes out, goes out in spite of any any self-doubts, in spite of any uh, shit shows she might have or the fact that it's two people at 1 a.m. on at Hollywood Boulevard where there's just, you know, She'll go. She just goes. And even if she doesn't have a show, she'll go. And um, like I was thinking about it when I was at the gym. There was this, I have this friend, uh, Nick, at the at the gym. He I just met him there. He's this friendly, gregarious guy. He's kind of like a bodybuilder type fellow. And uh, it's like a wedding reception line when Nick comes to the gym. Like people just walk in and they're like, they have to stop by and, you know, Give Nick a fist bump. Oh, hey, Nick, how you doing, buddy? It's just, it's crazy. So I'm I'm trying to be, I used to just go to the gym, plug headphones in, and just, you know, shut out the world and then try to work out like a savage for uh, one day out of every two weeks. But that doesn't work, you know? Like what I asked Nick about how he got, you know, so huge. And he said he used to be a heavy guy. And uh, now he's he's ripped. So he's like, he's got like 0% body fat and uh, and he's huge. So he was like, well, I just, no, I don't watch what I eat or anything. I just come every day. I just go to the gym every day. He goes to the gym every day. He never misses a day. And he doesn't go necessarily bananas. He's not like blowing a knee out on the squat rack. He's just consistently working out. You know, the way Deborah's consistently going out the shows. That's what you got to do. You gotta, you gotta hammer at shit. That's why I gotta get better at this open mic stuff. I gotta go out. You gotta be consistent. Like whatever you do, do you write books? Write them every day. Like you know, just if it it becomes a habit, brushing your teeth, just write that fucking shit every day. And even if you're just staring at it and it's no good, you know, I you you guys realize I'm yelling at myself right now. I'm not I'm not telling you to go be better. I'm I'm trying to convince myself of I'm trying to go to the gym every day. And I'm trying to do stand up every day, you know. I'm and I'm I'm you. you I have to. You have to in one form or another, or because like that's the thing about life is that you just you degrade uh, if you don't do anything. And if you do a fair amount, what happens is you just uh, you stay. It's stasis. You stay the same, you know. And I, what I have done for the last ten years, Jim included. Is stayed the same. My comedy career is is treading water. My my physical fitness is treading water. You know, and the reason is is because I do a fair amount. You know, I do more than some people. Uh, I I do enough not to degrade. I do enough not to go away in the comedy scene. I do enough not to lose my slot as one of the headliners in Canada. I I do enough, but I don't do it. All the time. If I did it all the time, which don't get me wrong, it's, it's easier said than done. You know, like, like, like Nick goes to the gym every day. How don't you get sick? Aren't you busy sometimes? What happens if you got to bring your wife to the hospital? I don't know. Do you do push-ups in the fucking uh, waiting area? I don't, maybe, but maybe you maybe you really do. You know, I'm I'm. That's it. From now on, I'm going to be consistent and. Uh, it's going to be awesome. You guys, you guys are part of it. You're part of the new lease on life. I thank you. I appreciate you as humans listening. And uh, I'll, I'll check in on you again to tell you how the rest of the week is going. Got uh, shows tonight. Probably going to be more bad numbers tonight because there's a fucking snowstorm here in Toronto. 
And uh, But you know what? I'm not going to blame the people who are there for coming. That's the thing. Sometimes comics will say to the audience, Oh, this is a small crowd. It's fucking bleh. It, the people who came, it's not their fault. They they showed up, you know? They they It's it's the people who didn't show up. It's, it's their fault. So don't blame the people who were awesome enough to show up to your show in the middle of a fucking snowstorm. You know, you go do the best goddamn show you can for those people who are full of snow, right? Oh, man, this new lease on life. Oh, I feel fantastic. Now I'm going to go... Uh, Gonna go upstairs now, because it's kind of freezing down here in the basement. All right, thanks again, everybody. Talk to you soon. Later on.